Welcome to this talk from Emmaus Road, a church with congregations in Guildford, Woking and Aldershot in the UK. To find out more about who we are and what we're up to, please visit us online at EmmausRoad.com. Today's Bible reading is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 11, verses 5 to 8. Oh, just pause for a moment if you want to follow on your Bible app or something. Luke 11, verses 5 to 8. Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you. All right, so we are doing a summer series looking at the parables of Jesus, a kind of medium, a mode of, of sharing truth that Jesus chose very intentionally as one of his primary ways of articulating the gospel. And this morning I was reading uh, John chapter 4, and uh, where Jesus is promising living water to the woman at the well. And she says, but sir, you don't have a rope and a bucket, and this well is very deep. How would you get this living water? And it struck me this morning that that's actually a great picture of how we, uh, as we long for living water, you know, of God's kingdom, his word and truth for our lives, um, we can sometimes feel like we lack a rope and a bucket to, to get to the depths of, of his truth. And, uh, and Jesus, in a way, used the parables like that. You know, here's a rope and a bucket. Here's a way of unlocking these, these truths. Even the, the simplest minds can access the depths of, of God's kingdom and draw this living water. You know, you don't need a master's in theology. You don't even need GCSEs. Anyone can understand the kingdom by engaging with these beautiful parables. So um, they really allow the, the truly thirsty to drink deeply from God's wisdom and truth. In Matthew 13, Jesus said that the, uh, it was through the parables that he was revealing the mysteries of the kingdom of God. And so for those, he said, who have eyes to see and ears to hear, the parables could unlock the step, the, these mysteries, these insights, these revelations. And for those that don't have the openness, the parables actually operated as a kind of defense from that. Like people would just bounce off the parables because they would just see them as silly, simplistic stories that, that had no real depth to them. And so uh, it's just fascinating, the mechanism of the parables. And um, if Jesus chose them as his primary way of communicating the, the, the kingdom and the 
Gospels, I think uh, you know, we do well to kind of take our time with them, to sit with them and allow them to speak to us, uh, not skim over the surface of them, but to, to welcome uh, the opportunity of, of settling deep into their meaning. And so today's parable is, is one of those, one of those opportunities to uh, really dig in. And the context of this parable in Luke 11 is the disciples saying to Jesus, teach us how to pray. They observed that Jesus had this kind of way of being with God, this way of communicating, this way of engaging with them, that, that through their kind of religious background, where they'd been around prayer their whole lives, they were like, something is different. Jesus engages in prayer in a completely different way. He has some other attitude towards it. And we can see not just in his words, but in his way with prayer, his approach and attitude to prayer, that there is something um, profound in this. So they're like, Lord, teach us how to pray. And in response, he, he says to them what we now call the Lord's Prayer, those, those famous verses. And, and then he follows that prayer with this parable. And on the surface of it, this story is, is very simple. It's just one neighbor asking another neighbor for bread. And yet it holds some really profound revelation about the nature of our Heavenly Father. I think this parable has the power to teach us about the values within the kingdom of God and what to expect in the kingdom of God. It has the power to hold up a mirror to our own expectations and assumptions about the kingdom of God and our place in it. And as one sits with this parable, it's even possible to see a very clever structure to it. In the original Middle Eastern setting of Jesus, the, the parable would have hooked the listeners in with a very, very common scenario, raising questions within it that to them would have been rhetorical questions. You know, of course, that's what the answer is. And it raised outcomes that to them would have been shocking, leading them to a very clear point of insight and revelation. And so the parable goes like this. A friend arrives in your peasant village and you need to feed him. And to Jesus' listeners, they would have been like, oh yes, we know that situation well. A person arriving into our village, and we, we need to show them hospitality. And in that culture, hospitality always involved food. You could not possibly welcome someone into your home, even if it was late at night, and just say, oh, you need a bed, here's a cup of milk, good night, see you in the morning, I'll get some breakfast organized. No, it always had to involve food. And it had to be an incredibly generous spread of food. And it would have been dishonoring to refuse that food. So, so food was an essential part of this hospitality. And Jesus' listeners would have been totally familiar with this scenario. They'd been like, yeah, 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 been there a hundred times. Someone arrives and needs a meal. We need to show them this hospitality. And then you're out of bread in this parable. 
Um, and bread for them was the very base of every meal. You literally ate the, the, the meat and the sauce with the bread. It, it was your, your knife and your fork and your plate. You could not have a meal without bread. Uh, but you're out of bread, so what do you do? Well, Jesus' listeners would have been, of course, what you do is you know in this small village context who's baked bread, who still has bread. And so you go to a neighbor. And in this culture, to host a guest in your home was not just for you, it was the whole village hosting that guest. You represented your community in the way you showed hospitality. It was regarded as an honor to the whole village to have a guest there. And so it was the village's reputation at stake for how you showed hospitality. So of course you wanted to do a good job of it. And of course the most natural thing was to therefore go out and call out at a neighbor's door who you knew had bread and say, would you, would you give me some? And of course that neighbor would jump up and respond and provide the bread because it was the village hosting this guest. Except shock, horror. Jesus says the neighbor offers a lame excuse about already being tucked up in bed and not wanting to disturb the kids and saying no to this absolutely essential request that held the whole villages, the whole community's honor in balance. To Jesus' listeners, they would be like, how could he? What is he thinking? Surely not. What kind of a friend is he? And Jesus says, even if he is a poor friend, out of duty, the culture of honor, he would still get up and give you what you need. And in this simple story, Jesus presents kingdom revelation. That if a flaky friend gives you what you need, how much more would God, who is full of honor and integrity, give you what you need? Jesus gives the revelation in this parable that God is not a distant deity. He has placed himself in your village, in your life, in your story. And God is a good neighbor to you. He is a good friend. Your concerns are his concerns. Your honor is his honor. Through this parable, Jesus shows his disciples and shows us a revelation of what God is like. To them, God was this distant rule-keeping person. And it was quite confusing how to actually access his blessing. 
And so they would go through these kind of convoluted ways of approaching God, hoping that this worked. What's the hack to get into God? You know, ritual cleansing and bringing different offerings. And, you know, if I did this and maybe if I tried that and how about that, you know, maybe, just maybe I would get his attention. And Jesus says, that's not what he's like. The disciples saw Jesus living out a different kind of approach to God. And he says, let me pull the curtain back and explain to you, God is not a distant God. He has implanted himself in your story. He is interested in what you're interested in. He cares deeply. And it's a matter of honor to him. It's a matter of his love for you, his friendship to you, that he would give you exactly what you need. Jesus follows this parable with these words. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. That's not a complicated kind of um, you know, algorithm for how to do it. Jesus is saying it's simple. Just knock, just ask, just seek. Just come with your request. Simply knock. The heart of God is not to play games with you. There is no complicated hoop to jump through. Simply come to him. My dear Father, give me today my daily bread. That is how Jesus teaches us to pray. That is the revelation of the kingdom that he gives. And it's not only the holy and the the deserving who get. Jesus says everyone who asks, everyone who seeks, everyone who knocks. The kingdom of God treats everyone equally. To Jesus' listeners, that would have been profound, amazing. No matter who you are here today, no matter what your, your week has looked like, no matter what you've done, no matter what you believe or don't believe, everyone who asks, everyone who seeks, everyone who knocks, they get heard. So here's a, a reflective question for you. When you come to God with a need, In your mind, as you approach him, are you approaching a generous father who is so happy to see you and whose whole posture towards you is favor and blessing, delight to meet that need? Have a think about that. Just take a minute to think about when you come to God. Who is he to you? Has this revelation of God that Jesus gives through the parable gone from the surface deep into the core of your being? Do you hold that as truth when you come to God? If not, why not? What is it that you project onto him? 
And how can this revelation of Jesus do something to unlock that false sense of who God is? How can it get past, get around perhaps some of your experiences in life that have caused cynicism or unbelief or um, kind of caution about how good God is? As we take hold of this insight that Jesus is giving here, and we try and practice that walking forward, um, I just want to say two things that I think can really help as we apply this simple truth. The first is this. The parables are revelations into the kingdom of God as it's meant to be. Yet we don't see the fullness of the kingdom yet. So that's the first thing. We are not in the fullness of the kingdom. Prayer should be as simple as asking. That's what Jesus is saying here. That's like the design of it. That's how it's meant to be. This parable is showing us that. That's the heart of the Father. That's the heart of God. But we all experience unanswered prayer, don't we? We've experienced moments where prayer hasn't worked. We've simply asked, and we haven't received. And that's why the, like the Lord's Prayer includes, you know, please let your kingdom come. Here on earth, your will be done as it is already in heaven. There's this acceptance that the kingdom is breaking in, and we're pleading for its fullness, but it's not completely here yet. We're leaning forward into a kingdom that's breaking in, but it's not here in its fullness. Pete Gregg's written a whole book on unanswered prayer. We know that that's a reality of life. But the revelation is that that's how it's intended to be. Jesus is giving an insight into the structure of the kingdom. And we must approach God with that. to, when we don't get a prayer answered in that simplicity, we mustn't think Jesus was lying about how prayer works. We, he's showing us how it's designed to work so that we, in, in taking hold of it, will move towards that as our expected reality. And it's moving towards that reality that leads to my second point. So the first is just embracing the fact that the kingdom is not here fully. And so prayer sometimes has some different dynamics to it. But that's how it's intended to be. The second is that as we move towards that reality, I think prayer with our mouths must be joined by prayer with our feet. We must move towards the prayer we're praying. Isn't it curious that in this parable, out of all the thousands of pictures that Jesus could choose to illustrate prayer, And the the disciples have said, teach us how to pray. He shows them a prayer. And then he takes a picture of what prayer looks like. And in this picture, there isn't actually any prayer. I mean, it's not a picture of a person praying. It's a picture of someone taking action. Someone getting up, walking out the door of their house, going to their neighbor, knocking on the door, calling out, pressing for this response. There's a lot of physical action in it. It's proactive. 
And I think Jesus is teaching us, don't just say your prayers, act out your prayers. As much as is possible, pray your best prayer and then get up on your feet and move in the direction of your prayer being answered. I love Pete Gregg's phrase, go where your best prayers take you. Go towards your prayers. Move towards what you're praying for. Prayer is always more than words. Prayer is a lifestyle. You know, when we were first looking for a building to host the lighthouse in Woking, we, we were praying earnestly, but we also went round and knocked on lots of doors, asked landlords, went to agents, you know, did what we could. Um, we're still doing that for a Guildford lighthouse. You know, Bill referenced it earlier, but you know, we're not just in a room praying. We're, we're constantly walking around. People here are helping us do that, those who have links into the property industry or whatever. You know, we're moving towards that prayer being answered. We're, we're trying to see what it would look like. Just a little example, but this week we were chatting with our team who are supporting the Ukrainians and we said, thinking about the children during the summer holiday, wouldn't it be wonderful if we could take them to the cinema? Let's pray that we could get some free cinema tickets and take them all to the cinema. But we didn't just sit there and pray for that. I got up, walked around to the local cinema and spoke to the manager and said, we'd like to get free tickets for these Ukrainian kids to come to the cinema. And what was interesting is he just immediately, almost before I could finish explaining what, what it was and give him a bit of a pitch of why it was a good thing to do, he was just like, yes, yes, let's make that work. And I said, which bit? Like, <laughs> it's like, yeah, you just tell me the day and the time. We, we'll make that work. And uh, I said, and in terms of cost, no, 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 it's free. Just let them come. And then it was almost like he answered with his heart before his head. It's just like, yes. And, uh, and then it was like 30 seconds later, he was like, um, hang on, how, how many are we talking about? <laughs> his head just kind of caught up a little bit. But it was a beautiful example of like we wanted something to happen, but then we moved towards it. You know, we've got to move towards that. Uh, as a church, you know, we're praying that we would be welcoming to the outcasts and the strangers. But we move towards it, don't we? We go and find the strangers and the outcasts. Uh, we're a church that wants to be marked by mature discipleship. We, we need to move towards that if we're praying for that in our lives. What steps should I take to see my prayer answered? Uh, we're a church that, that wants, is praying to be well-resourced. We need to move towards that by giving our, our tithes and, and resourcing those things. God, answer that. You know, um, we're, we're a church that wants to be good news to this town. We, we then move towards our prayer being answered by taking steps. Perhaps for you, you're looking for breakthrough. You, you want freedom in your life, emotional freedom, freedom from hurts and wounds. Move towards it. Move towards it. So a quick question as we come into land. What are you praying for? What is your heart's desire as you come to this good father? And as you acknowledge what it is you're praying for, how can you move towards it? 
Not every prayer has that possibility within it. But is there anything you can do to move towards your prayer being answered? It's a quick summary. Come to God as a good father who has made his home in your neighborhood, in your story, in your life. And come to God as a generous father who is postured towards you in favor and blessing. Don't expect complicated games and hoops to jump through. Accept the tension that we don't see the kingdom in its fullness, but we move towards it. And as you move towards it, look for ways to turn your prayers into faith-filled actions. Amen. Bill, can you help us respond? Thanks, Eric. I want to, um, why don't we, st- let's, let's stand together. What I'd love us to do is I'd love us to do really two things I want to press into. Um, the first is um, the story you believe about God shapes uh, the life that you have with him. And, you know, we heard the parable and then Eric talking about how God is a good father. And I don't know what your experience of a father is. I don't have one at all. My dad died when I was three, so I don't really have an experience of a father. Um, Some of you may have amazing experiences uh, of fathers. Some of you may not. But I I feel like this morning, the first thing that God wants to do is he just wants to begin a work. And when I say begin a work, what I mean is is what he begins here... uh, I think is partly as a journey of healing where he begins to heal and change us and our perspective of him as he heals us of whatever uh, may have happened in the past with our own parents. That's the first thing. The second thing is um, that there are people here and actually when Eric talks about moving towards your prayer, you know, Pete's thing, go where your best prayers take you. And some of you have been praying things and actually... um, it feels like God is encouraging you to sort of step out and you know, take a chance, take a risk, um, in the words of Abba. Um, so, thank you. Um, so, it's one of those two responses. We're not going to people, get people to come forward. I'm just aware that for some people that might feel quite vulnerable. But, but I would encourage you to put your hands out. The band are going to play a song. Uh, I'd love to encourage you to sing along. But if that's you, I'm going to pray first of all for the father piece and then for the other piece. And respond in your own heart as, as you feel is appropriate for you. So Father, we want to thank you first of all that you are a good father. And we know that for some people here we had amazing parents, amazing dads. And, and uh, although they weren't perfect, the reason why we see you as the good father we do is because of the experience that we had with our own father our own parents but Lord also we recognize for some of us here we didn't have either we didn't have a father at all or we had a father who was there but who was absent or we had a father who was neglectful or abusive or and Lord we recognize that the wounds in us, the, the spaces that creates in us need healing and will impact how we see you. So Lord, for those of us for whom this is 
something that we live with, something that we carry. Would you begin or continue that process of healing in us today? We surrender ourselves back into your care, knowing that whatever may have happened or not happened, that you are a good father. You are the father who moves towards us, who runs towards us, who says, ask, who says, seek, who says, knock, who says, here I am who says, I have loved you with an everlasting love, who says, I will never leave you, who says to you that you are the apple of his eye, that he has written your name on his hand forever. He's the father who knows everything about you, even the hairs on your head. So would you meet with us and would you minister to us? And Father, for those of us who have been praying and praying and just sort of sense your invitation and your challenge to step out and to do an Eric, I'm going to call it doing an Eric now, where you don't just pray, but you go to the cinema manager and say, can we have some tickets? Who, um, who don't just pray about a relationship being restored, but step out, who don't just pray for a situation, and, but, but do something about it as well, move towards your own answer would you give us boldness and courage and confidence to do that thank you Lord so please move amongst us meet with us as we respond in worship this morning